You are listening to The Pregnancy Podcast with Vanessa Merton. Hello, thank you for tuning into The Pregnancy Podcast. I want to thank Zoller for their support of this episode. Zoller makes an amazing prenatal vitamin, and I don't mind promoting them because this is my number one recommendation for a prenatal, and this is the vitamin that I've been taking for my whole pregnancy. To check it out, go to PregnancyPodcast.com forward slash vitamin, and there you can also get a promo code to save 25% off a one-month supply. Last week, we talked about headaches and migraines during pregnancy. That's an ailment that affects a lot of expecting moms, so we went through a ton of things that cause headaches and migraines during pregnancy and went through a ton of tips to try and get some relief and either make those less frequent or less painful. This week, we are talking about eating organic during pregnancy. The question that we really want to answer is, does it matter if you eat organic when you're pregnant? I mean, is there really evidence to show that you should be eating organic or not? I did do a couple of episodes a while back on eating meat and eating fish during pregnancy. And that covered organic or wild caught as it relates to meat or dairy or fish, but I haven't really done a deep dive into eating other organic foods during pregnancy and whether or not there's evidence to show that eating organic is going to benefit you and your baby. If you missed the episodes on meat or fish and you're interested in listening to those, I'll put links to those in the show notes. This was a pretty research-intensive episode, and there are a lot of links, so everything can be found in the show notes at PregnancyPodcast.com forward slash episode 117. Let's start off with what, what the heck is organic mean? In the most simple form, organic means that food was produced without synthetic chemicals or fertilizers, without genetic engineering or genetic modification without radiation, and without sewage sludge. When you look at how organic food products are labeled, it gets a little bit more confusing. It's not quite as simple as something being organic or not. Foods that are labeled 100% organic, obviously, must contain only organic ingredients. Foods labeled organic on the front of the label must contain at least 95% of organically produced ingredients. And this excludes water and salt. If a food is labeled made with organic ingredients, then it must contain 70% organic ingredients. And then if you see foods that are only labeled organic on the ingredient side label and not on the main label on the front, then those contain less than 50% of organic ingredients. For livestock to be organic, and this is where you're going to get organic meats or organic dairy. It must be produced without genetic engineering, ionizing radiation, or sewage sludge. The animals must be allowed year-round access to the outdoors, except under specific conditions, like if there's inclement weather, but outdoor access must be at least 120 days a year. They must be fed 100% certified organic feed except for trace minerals and vitamins that are used to meet the animal's nutritional requirements. 
And they must be managed without antibiotics, without added growth hormones, mammalian or avian byproducts, so they must be fed a vegetarian diet. And there's some other prohibited feed ingredients like manure, arsenic compounds. And I do just want to know, as a side note, if an animal is sick and needs antibiotics, they're definitely given antibiotics, but then they just cannot be sold as organic. So when I started diving into the research on eating organic foods, I came across a clinical report from the American Academy of Pediatrics that does a really deep dive into a lot of research and evidence comparing organic and conventional foods. And the findings in this clinical report really guide the recommendations of the American Academy of Pediatrics. And there's a few highlights from that paper that I want to share with you. The first is, overall, organic does not mean more nutritional. Now, there are a couple exceptions to this. Some of the studies they reviewed found lower nitrate content in organic foods versus conventionally grown foods. Lower nitrates can be a good thing because of the association of nitrates with increased risk of gastrointestinal cancer or methemoglobinemia in infants, which is a blood disorder. Another exception to that is 58% of the studies reviewed by the American Academy of Pediatrics found higher vitamin C concentrations in organic leafy vegetables like spinach, lettuce, and chard. Other studies have found higher total phenols in organic produce versus conventionally grown produce. And those studies have postulated health benefits from the antioxidant effects of phenols. I went into a lot more detail on grass-fed beef in the episode I did on eating meat during pregnancy, but I also want to note that there's evidence that grass-fed beef differs from conventional beef and that it has a seven-fold increase in beta-carotene, which is a precursor to vitamin A. It has a three-fold increase in vitamin E, which is a fat-soluble vitamin that has antioxidant activity, and it's higher in other antioxidants like glutathione and is overall lower in fat and higher in omega-3s. And anytime you see grass-fed, usually that tends to be organic. So there are a few exceptions to this, but despite these minor differences, there's not overwhelming evidence that organic is more nutritional than conventional. Another thing the American Academy of Pediatrics noted in this clinical report was a lot of studies looked at pesticide exposure in farming communities, which I had presumed would be higher than many communities not located next to farmland, where a large portion of the population isn't actively working in fields. And they're testing pesticide exposure by looking for metabolites of the pesticides in urine. So when they compare farming communities and residential settings, they found that the pesticide metabolite concentrations were in the same range as those observed in subjects consuming conventional produce. So studies that include data from farm communities is still completely applicable to people who don't live anywhere near a farm and who don't work on a farm, just people that are eating conventional produce. Because if you're going to be consuming fruits or vegetables that were treated with pesticides, those pesticides are going to end up in your body. Another consideration that may or may not be important to you is the environmental impact of organic versus conventional. 
When calculated either per unit of area or per unit of yield, organic farms use less energy and they produce less waste. Plus, organically managed soil has been demonstrated to be of higher quality and has higher water retention, which could potentially increase yields for organic farms in drought years. The overall conclusion of the American Academy of Pediatrics clinical report is kind of mixed. They state that while organic foods have the same vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, proteins, lipids, and other nutrients as conventional foods, they also have lower pesticide levels, which may be significant for children. Organically raised animals are also less likely to be contaminated with drug-resistant bacteria because organic farming rules prohibit the non-therapeutic use of antibiotics. They go on to state that, however, in the long term, there is currently no direct evidence that consuming an organic diet leads to improved health or lower risk of disease. However, no large studies in humans have been performed that specifically address this issue. So overall, there really isn't a black and white conclusion, and I'm going to let you decide how to interpret it. There is a link to the full clinical report in the show notes if you want to read that further. The American Academy of Pediatrics noted that lower pesticide levels may be significant for children. And the risk of pesticides is one of the biggest reasons that consumers choose to buy organic. I do want to make sure that you understand that the health benefits of eating fresh fruits and vegetables outweighs the risk of pesticide exposure. So if for whatever reason eating organic is not an option for you or not your thing, I don't want you to avoid eating fruits and vegetables because of pesticides. It's still really important to be including lots of those in your diet. Let's talk about why pesticides are more of a concern for babies in utero, for infants, and for children. This might be obvious, right, just because of their smaller size, but in addition, children are at a higher risk for pesticide toxicity because of their developing brain, which is going to be more susceptible to neurotoxicants. Children also have lower activity and levels of enzymes that are responsible for processing toxins. Prenatal exposure is a concern, obviously, because when you're pregnant, whatever you're exposed to, so is your baby. And they are going through some pretty critical stages of development in utero. I combed through so much research on pesticides and pregnancy in preparation for this episode. So I want to take a look at what the research says about pesticides and pregnancy. But really quick before we do that, I want to do a quick word from today's sponsor. Zollar makes my favorite prenatal vitamin. Their prenatal plus DHA is my favorite. One, because it has DHA, which for me meant that I could stop taking a separate supplement for that. Plus, it has the active form of folate, which is one of the very first things that I look for in a prenatal vitamin. I've been taking the prenatal from Zollar since before I even got pregnant this pregnancy. I am Whoa, almost at the end. I'm over 38 weeks at this point. And I've been extremely happy with this prenatal vitamin from all the research that I've done, all the different labels that I have read, all the different vitamins that I have personally tried. This is by far my favorite. To check out the vitamin, go to pregnancypodcast.com forward slash vitamin. And on that page, you're also going to find a promo code to save 25% off. 
So not only can you get a really high quality prenatal, but you're going to get it at a huge discount. Okay, so let's get back to this episode and take a look at what the research says about pesticides and pregnancy. There's quite a bit of research available on organophosphate pesticides, which account for just over a third of pesticides used. A study that looked at organophosphate pesticides and ADHD in children concluded that organophosphate exposure at levels common among U.S. children may contribute to ADHD prevalence. They do note that prospective studies are needed to establish whether this association is causal. A link to this will be in the show notes and links to any study or research or resource that I'm mentioning in this episode will all be in the show notes. Another study demonstrated that prenatal exposure to organophosphate is associated with poor intellectual development in seven-year-old children. One study looked at chlorpyrifos, which is a broad-spectrum organophosphate, and the researchers reported evidence of deficits in working memory index and full-scale IQ as a function of prenatal exposure. In the past, this was approved for indoor use, and the study looked at urban areas in New York where this was commonly used. Since then, it has been banned by the EPA for residential use, but this still remains approved for agricultural use. So it's still an issue in agricultural areas where it's used, and there's potential risk from low-dose exposure from eating produce that's treated with chlorpyrifos. Another study that looked at the same pesticide found structural changes in the developing human brain in children that were exposed prenatally to chlorpyrifos. So they were actually looking at physical changes in the brain. A study that looked at organic food consumption, as reported in the Norwegian Mother and Child Cohort Study, this was a huge sampling. It was over 63,000 women between 2002 and 2007. And this looked specifically at dietary characteristics associated with frequent consumption of organic food among pregnant women. So what they found was that pregnant women who reported frequent consumption of organically produced food tended to have a dietary pattern and a quality of their diet much more in line with public advice for healthy and sustainable diets. So basically, those who ate more organic foods tended to eat healthier overall. Obviously, you know the value of eating healthy during your pregnancy. I'll put a link to that review in the show notes. Another study that I came across found a higher intake of organic vegetables during pregnancy was associated with reduced risk of preeclampsia. The researchers do note some possible explanations for an association between preeclampsia and the use of organic vegetables could be that organic vegetables may change the exposure to pesticides, secondary plant metabolites, and or the influence of composition of the gut microbiota. The association was only for vegetables, and they didn't find the same association for other food groups like fruit, dairy, or cereals. And there will, of course, be a link in the show notes for this study if you want to read it in its entirety. I would say, after sifting through the research available, there are some concerns that are raised about the effects of pesticides that are consumed during pregnancy for your baby in utero, and definitely some concerns raised about pesticides in children. The evidence isn't strong enough that the FDA is taking action to ban pesticide use, 
although I'm sure there are some other concerns and interests and lobbying from companies that produce those products and from farmers. But like so many things we look at, I would say that more research is needed to build a strong case for either side, either that pesticides cause harm or that they are completely safe. A resource that I like to refer to for pesticides in produce is the Environmental Working Group. They list a total of 48 types of fruits and vegetables with pesticide residue data, and they have two lists that come from this that are worth noting, and that's the Dirty Dozen and the Clean 15. I will link to both of these in the show notes. The Dirty Dozen is the top 12 foods that rank highest for pesticides. So if pesticides is something that you want to avoid, these are good fruits and vegetables to buy organic. On the flip side of that, the clean 15 are the 15 fruits and vegetables that rank the lowest in pesticide use. So the theory is that you might be able to get away without buying those organic since the conventional versions use really low amount of pesticides. So that can be a good strategy to save some money on your groceries. Now, a question that comes up when you're talking about pesticides and produce is, doesn't washing produce get rid of some of the pesticides? Well, yes, it would, and you should certainly wash your fruits and vegetables before you eat them, but the data that was used to create that list for the environmental working group is from produce that was tested as it's typically eaten. So that means that everything was washed, and when applicable, it was peeled. So bananas were peeled before they were tested, blueberries and peaches were washed. So yes, you will probably get rid of some pesticides in the fruit or vegetable by washing it, but it's if it's on that dirty dozen list and you wash it, it's still going to contain a lot of pesticides. And like I said, of course, you want to wash your produce before you eat it. Another thing to consider is, so if you are buying organic foods, that also means that they are not genetically modified. I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole of GMOs in this episode, but I would like to address them in the context of pesticide use. Overall, genetically modified crops have decreased the use of insecticides, but they have increased the use of herbicides. Because many genetically modified crops are herbicide tolerant, that means that herbicide can be sprayed directly on the crops and it's going to kill the weeds without actually killing the crops. So a lot of times, genetically modified crops tend to be more heavily treated with chemicals. The foods that are genetically modified is actually a pretty short list. This includes alfalfa, which primarily is used in animal feed. 90% of canola is genetically modified. 88% of corn. 90% of cotton. Over 50% of Hawaiian papaya, 94% of soy, 95% of sugar beets. I would say almost any time that you're seeing sugar listed on a label, it's most likely from GMO sugar beets. If not, it will usually state cane sugar, which is non-GMO. And also yellow summer squash and zucchini are genetically modified. And then, of course, a lot of animal feed is GMO because it contains high amounts of corn, soy, and alfalfa. More than 60 countries around the world, including Australia, Japan, the entire European Union, 
They all require GMOs to be labeled. Unfortunately, this is something that the United States has been really slow to adopt. If you would like to buy non-GMO, you can look for the non-GMO product verified label or just try and avoid foods with ingredients that are not organic and that are derived from genetically modified crops. The only issue with that is that corn and soy tend to be in just about any kind of processed food. So a lot of times it certainly makes things easier just to buy organic. I'm going to link to the Institute for Responsible Technology, which has a lot of information on GMOs if you want to learn more. As a heads up, this is an organization that is very anti-GMO. And I'm also going to link to the FDA website with consumer information on genetically engineered plants. The FDA holds that foods from the genetic engineering plant varieties that are marketed to date are as safe as comparable non-genetically engineered foods. Overall, it may not be as simple as just buying everything organic. There are some considerations with buying organic, and there's even some downsides. The first downside is the cost. In a lot of cases, buying organic is significantly more expensive than conventional. And not everyone has an unlimited budget for groceries. It's not always going to be more expensive, and you will find cases where organic may be the same or just slightly higher or maybe even lower than conventional. Consumer Reports did an analysis of the cost of organic food. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. It was pretty interesting. They compared more than 100 items, and on average, organic foods were 47% more expensive. But the range was really huge. In some instances, the organic product was actually cheaper by as much as 13%. And they found organic lettuce, carrots, maple syrup, olive oil, and cream cheese for the same price or less than conventional counterparts. Another possible limitation of eating organic is the availability of organic food, which can also be an issue depending on where you live or what time of year it is. If you live in Los Angeles, you likely have a lot of options for where to shop or even services that will deliver groceries directly to your doorstep. But in more rural areas, you may have less options. And this is also likely going to be the case in lower income communities. A tip when buying fruits and veggies to get the best stuff out there and save some money is to buy fruits and vegetables that are in season. When produce is in season, it's going to be a lot cheaper and they tend to taste the best, in my opinion, at least. You don't have to memorize what's in season every time you go to the store. By buying whatever's on sale, you're often getting the produce that's in season. One tip that you see on a lot of lists on saving money buying organic is to shop at farmer's markets. My personal experience has been that farmer's markets are not cheaper for organic produce. I do regularly go to the farmer's market. I was actually there this morning, and I'm a big fan. I love supporting small local farms. I just don't feel like I'm saving any money. That's just been my experience with farmer's markets in San Diego, California. Definitely check out your local farmer's market. It's a really good way to see the fruits and vegetables that are grown near where you live to support small farms and to really see where your food comes from. And I also want to note that for a farm to be certified as organic can be a pretty expensive process with ongoing costs, and that can be tough for small family farms. 
If you go to a farmer's market, you're likely going to find some vendors that offer pesticide-free and essentially organic produce without the USDA organic label. And you're always welcome to ask a vendor if they use pesticides or any chemicals on their produce. And I also have a few tips for decoding the labels on meat and dairy. If you want to avoid antibiotics, you want to look for organic or look for something that says that it's raised without antibiotics, no antibiotics ever. If you want to avoid hormones, then you want to buy organic or look for a label that says that it's hormone-free or there's no added hormones. RBGH-free is often listed on labels. That's a specific type of hormone. And of course, that's not going to be used in organic. Grass-fed labeling is a little bit confusing. The USDA actually revoked their standards last year because they felt that it caused more confusion, which I think just caused even more confusion. But you want to look for a label that says 100% grass-fed. Cage-free means that hens are not raised in cages. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that they were outdoors, just that they're not in individual pens. With free-range, animals have been allowed access to the outside. Natural is another thing that tends to show up on a lot of labels, and the USDA defines a natural product as one that contains no artificial ingredient or added color and is only minimally processed. So not exactly a black and white definition of what natural means. I'm going to link to the Environmental Working Group website that does a really good job of breaking down labels on meat and dairy, if you want to check that out. And the very last thing that I want to mention is that if you're trying to eat organic, it can be a challenge when you're eating out. Chances are if something on the menu is actually made with organic ingredients, it's going to state that. And there may be a restaurant that exclusively offers organic ingredients. But while organic foods are increasing in popularity, the majority of restaurants are not using organic ingredients. You can always ask, and chances are if they're not sure, then it's probably unlikely that it's organic. So at the start of this episode, the question that we set out to answer was whether it matters if you eat organic during your pregnancy. And you're going to have to answer that question for yourself. You should have a lot more information and evidence to make whatever decision is going to be the best choice for you. To recap today's episode, well, we went through a pile of stuff on comparing organic versus conventional foods. We talked about what exactly organic means, how organic foods are labeled, and we really got into pesticides and a lot of the research on pesticides and children, pesticides during pregnancy, and what the research says about eating organic during your pregnancy. And then we even touched on GMOs and went through some tips on trying to save some money at the grocery store. I want to thank you for tuning into the Pregnancy Podcast today. I hope that you find this episode helpful. As always, you can contact me, Vanessa, at PregnancyPodcast.com. You can find notes and resources for this episode at PregnancyPodcast.com forward slash episode 117.